Luke chapter 2, verse 14 is where we're going to be this morning. Luke chapter 2, verse 14. I wanted to clarify something. Y- y'all all got the, the letter that went out with the budget this week. And, and I understand there was a little confusion based on what I talked about in the, in the giving. And I'm sorry, what, not what I talked about. Well, actually, John Bridges and I worked together on that letter. So uh, the, the portion about the, the tithing, it was, that was just to restate what I said a few weeks ago on Sunday morning that on average, evangelical churches, church members give 2.5% of their income to the church. If we are above average, then our church members give 5% of their income. Imagine if all of us gave 10% of our income. That wasn't to say that there are those of you who don't. I don't know what percentages y'all give because none of you have told me what you make on a yearly basis or monthly basis, and I don't know what you give either. So that was not a, a comment about what each any individual gives, just about the uh, general state of evangelical churches. And if we are even above average, if we all gave 10%, we would have literally more money than, than we're spending uh, uh, more money than we're budgeted to spend right now. So that, that's all that was. just wanted to clear that up. It, 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 uh, it, it apparently wasn't super clear what I was saying in the, the letter uh, or what we were saying in the letter, stewardship committee was saying in the letter. So clear that up. Let me, uh, I have not talked about this, uh, though it's been in the works for a couple of months. Uh, I've talked to the staff about it. Um, they knew it was coming. I've been working on it now for a while, trying to line everything up, and, and now everything is lined up so I can go public with it, and I'll be putting out more information uh, later about it. But March 6th through 9th, put that on your calendar, March 6th through 9th, that's a Sunday through Wednesday, we are going to have what I am calling Renew Week. Renew week. It's, it's, your, it's your typical revival times, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, 6, what have I been saying all this time? 6.30, I think. Um, 6.30 on those nights uh, in the evenings. Uh, been, like I said, been working on this for a while. I, I believe that the, the, the time is ripe for us as a church to be renewed. You call it revived if you want to. Um, but I, I recently sat down and I, I typed out the vision for this Renew Week. And, and I want to read this to you because I, if, if I don't, I'll leave some stuff out. And, uh, and eventually I'll actually post this in, on our uh, social media, various social media sites so you can read through it as well. But just to, to give you an idea of what I've... Uh, what's been working on me, how the Lord's been working on me in the last couple of months. Over the course of two years, our church, along with the entire world, experienced the COVID pandemic that shut down nearly all our ministries for a period and irrevocably changed much about our church. On top of the pandemic, our area experienced no fewer than five natural disasters, two major hurricanes, an ice storm, an extreme flooding event, and a storm with multiple tornadoes. 
While our church was only physically affected by the two hurricanes with over $5.3 million in damages, the cumulative psychological effect of all the disruptions, destruction, and difficulties has been profound and widespread. However, the hand of God and His work among us have never been more profound. Don't gloss over that last sentence. With all that we've gone through, the hand of God and His work among us has been has never uh, has been even more profound with the pandemic came the opportunity to evaluate what was truly important among our ministries streamlining for a time allowed us to scrutinize what we brought back and strategically implement those ministries that are most necessary for making and growing disciples this emphasis has brought about a depth of understanding and, and commitment among many in our church that is unlike anything seen in a long time it is much more broadly and deeply understood that worship and the Word are what are most important. We are, we've also learned that fellowship is vital and terribly missed when not there, but is a natural byproduct and a useful encouragement when disciples are making disciples. The natural disasters presented a different but similarly focused opportunity. We were able to rethink nearly all our facilities as four of our five buildings had major to extreme damage. We were blessed to think of all of them as tools and to rebuild with a purpose to meet goals both known now and unseen in the future. This was our mission statement in rebuilding, and I want to read that to you. We desire to rebuild a facility that's welcoming and comfortable, a facility with features that are easily adapted to meet needs realized and those to come, a facility that is a useful tool to fulfill the great commission of going, preaching, teaching, baptizing, and discipling through extending open hands and building deep friendships, nurturing all believers, and changing lives through the gospel. We believe we have fulfilled this mission with the rebuild. Now we have a mission to use what we've learned and rebuilt for God's glory and his kingdom. That's where Renew Week comes in. The re portion of the word refers in part to what we are doing with our facilities. Nothing was destroyed completely, so the facade and look remain the same. However, the inside is nearly completely redone. As far as the pandemic goes, re refers to what will not change, a focus on worship, God's word, and making disciples. We will renew our efforts to be a church at work for God's kingdom by making disciples. The new portion of the word, renew, intentionally capitalized, and you'll see this when we start publishing materials, emphasizes that many things are now different. The pandemic has changed us for, uh, forever. Ministry cannot be the same as it was. It has rightfully trimmed us of busy work types of activities and the idea that the church is the event calendar for church members. We're a battleship, not a cruise ship. Our new facilities are now state-of-the-art, warm and welcoming and designed to elicit and encourage comfort, friendship, and fellowship the moment someone walks in. Therefore, they must be used in ways we may not have done or thought of in the past. Therefore, we as a church need to renew our hearts and minds to this dawn of opportunity, and that's what Renew Week, I pray, will do for us. Our theme verse for the week is Isaiah 43, 19. Look, I'm about to do something new. 
Even now it is coming. Do you not see it? Indeed, I will make a way in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. Each message of the week will have a theme, but not a verse. The verse is left up to the preacher. The day's themes are a progression of what we need to experience and have already experienced through this time. They will serve as encouragement not to merely rest in our new buildings and new normal, but to use the blessings God has given us for His glory. The daily themes are Sunday morning, reset. Sunday night, refresh. Monday night, reveal. Tuesday night, refocus. Wednesday night, restart. The progression of the themes is that, willingly or not, we have come to a point of reset and have come through it by God's grace. The work and travail of those days demand a time to refresh in Him because the way has been hard. Our prayer then is that God will reveal our purpose in the community and how he would have us use what he has given and taught us these past two years. Once we know what is behind us and what is before us, we must refocus our hearts, energies, and resources onto our calling. Finally, we need a clarion call from Scripture and a catalyst to restart when our tendency may be to take a break or worse, Assume the lost will come to us because of new buildings. My prayer and the prayer of our staff is that this week will be a joyful time of deep introspection, sincere worship, and life-changing discipleship. We pray that we, as the Israelites were told in Isaiah 43.9, will not focus on the past, but look with hope to what God is doing with our future. That's my vision for this week, uh, the, the, this, this coming Renew Week. We have uh, secured uh, all the preachers and the, the band that will be coming. Uh, leading us in worship is uh, the college-age son of a friend of mine. His name is Quint Adkins. He has a band in West Wego, outside of New Orleans, uh, right across the river from New Orleans, actually. He's a uh, centrifuge camp worship leader. He will be coming, they will be coming and leading for all four of those days. Sunday morning and Sunday night, uh, our uh, Renew Week preacher will be Ed Litton, who is Litton, not Linton, a little different. Um, he will tell you that they spell it right and I spell it wrong, but he's wrong. Um, Ed Litton will be preaching. Uh, he's the uh, pastor of Redemption Church in Mobile, and he is the current president of the Southern Baptist Convention. He uh, will be Sunday morning, Sunday night. His wife, Kathy Litton, who has an incredible women's ministry of her own, both at the church and uh, nationwide, will be leading a special combined women's connect group. Uh, in, well, at connect group time, we won't call it a connect group, but at Connect Group time on that Sunday morning, she will be leading our women in here. Uh, so there will be a special event just for them. Uh, a brunch for the ladies will be provided in here that morning. Men, we just get donuts in the fellowship hall. Uh, or actually, by that time, in the foyer. Not in the fellowship hall anymore. We'll be in the foyer by then. Um, that's uh, Sunday. 
Monday night, uh, our guest will be, um, let me get my order right, Andy Buckley. Uh, Monday night, is that right? I didn't write this down, so now I'm having to remember it from memory. Andy Buckley, I specifically asked him because I want him, with his vast historical knowledge, to bridge our past and our future. The, the great things our church has done, what God is calling us to now, and how we need to get to that point in the future. Tuesday night, uh, Adam Greenway, the president of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, will be our preacher. He will come uh, from Fort Worth. And then Wednesday night, and I was really hoping I could get him on this night because he will send us out with a lit fire underneath us is Fred Luter, pastor of Franklin Avenue Baptist Church in New Orleans, and 2012-2013 past president of the Southern Baptist Convention. Um, I'm excited about that week. We are going to hear some phenomenal preaching that week, and uh, I believe that this vision is God-given. Uh, for this time for us as a church. So I cannot encourage y'all enough to begin to block that out already on your calendar so that you can be here and be a part of that. We will have Sunday through Wednesday night separate activities, separate speakers for children and youth. They will join us in worship, but Sunday night through Wednesday night, the children will have Jess Archer, who is the uh, children's and youth missions director or something. She's got a title this long with Louisiana Baptist Convention. She'll be coming and helping us with that. And then, Tom, you're going to have to help me with the name of the guy that's uh, coming with you for youth. And I think he is in his office monitoring our YouTube and Facebook feeds. So, Josh somebody. Um, it's an odd last name, somebody. I, I'm anticipating a text here momentarily where he sends me the name. So I'll tell you in the, in the middle of my sermon when he sends me that text. Um, anyway, so we'll, oh, there he is. Josh Eubanks. He's a local guy, right? From DeRitter. Okay, yes. Uh, and he will be leading our youth. So uh, maybe I'll remember that now. Josh Eubanks. So we are putting... Obviously, I hope you see a lot of time, prayer, thought, effort into this week, and I think it is exactly what we need when we need it. So, uh, that was a long commercial, but I've never cut, short, cut things short in my life. So, uh, now, Luke chapter 2, verse 14. Continuing our uh, Peace on Earth series, Comfort in Troubled Times, we come this week to the provider of peace. Last week, at the end of the message, uh, the requirement for peace, we ended at Luke 2.14. How Jesus answered the, 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 the um, requirements of Leviticus chapter 26. This week, we're going to look at 2.14 a little more in depth, and we are going to see that provider of peace. Six years ago, I did a little research on Peace of mind. I just Googled that phrase, peace of mind. And I got 212 million hits on Google. I did it again last week, and I got over 1 billion hits. I didn't go to all the websites. 
I, I, I just didn't think it was necessary. But, but websites named Success Consciousness. What does that even mean? Success Consciousness. Tiny Buddha. Um, Psych Central. And Peace of Mind Foundation. These are all part of the one billion ways on the internet that you are told you can find peace of mind. Selling personal peace is a big business. If I can convince you that I can help you have peace in your life, I can then convince you to pay for it. Because it's a secret that only I know, and that's what these people have. Clearly, the world is looking for peace. They're looking for the wrong kind. They're looking for peace in all the wrong places. All the wrong faces. And on and on. They're just, they're not finding what, they, they, they still haven't found what they're looking for. We look for ge geopolitical peace uh, you know, we talked about the Potsdam Declaration last week and, and how that, was, that ended the, the, the war with Japan, but treaties are signed and broken all the time. They, they called World War I the war to end all wars. Well, that didn't work. Then, then after, the world, after World War I, they had the League of Nations, and that was going to finally bring peace, and the League of Nations didn't work. Then they had NATO, and after World War II, that was going to bring peace. Well, didn't happen. United Nations, we, we, we want it in our personal lives, we want it in, uh, across our country lines, we, we, we want it in our, across our state line. we want peace right here in our own town, and we just don't find it when we're looking where it can't be found. Jesus, on the other hand, was born to bring something more than just peace of mind, we, we want that internal peace. We want that external peace. But Jesus said, I'm going to give you peace for your entire life. From the moment we receive Him as Savior to the day of our death and then for eternity beyond, we have peace. We find the angels announcing that very thing in Luke 2.14. I'm going to back up and read verse 8, starting in verse 8, so we can get a run and start into verse 14. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. The angel said to them, Don't be afraid. For look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy. That word, good news there, I'll just stop for a second and tell you, evangelism. The good news that we share. I proclaim to you evangelism of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people He favors. So it begins with the shepherds in the, in the field. And there's one angel stands up there and don't know what he's wearing, but uh, he, he, he's probably, it's, it's odd, just, you know, in general. Uh, guy 
person, thing, wings or not. If we go to Revelation and we see the descriptions of angels, we stick around in Ezekiel a little while and we see the descriptions of angels. It, you know, six wings, eyeballs covering them, all this crazy stuff. You know, so let's hope the one he saw was not quite that extent, to that extent. But whatever it was, it was surprising. And they were terrified by this guy. And the angel says, don't be afraid. I get it. I know why you're scared. Don't be. I've got evangelism for you. I've got the gospel for you. I've got the gospel in the flesh for you. Laying in Bethlehem, your Savior, your Messiah, the Lord, He's right there. And then suddenly the choir showed up. Except the choir wasn't dressed in choir robes. This actually says here that it was a multitude of the heavenly army. So the choir showed up in battle array. That's not what you expect to see the choir dressed in. But that's what showed up. So suddenly with this one weird bright guy that, the glory, that surround, was surrounded by the glory of God, he is joined by a vast army showing up. An army shows up and says, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to people he favors. God's army announced peace. I think there's a sermon right there, but we're going we're gonna to keep going just a little bit. We, as we move through the, this passage, we're going to break it down into four smaller chunks. First, we're going to look at it, the, or three smaller chunks, rather. First, though, we're going to kind of look at it from a higher altitude, look down on it. It is both, this passage is both worship and announcement. It's worship because it begins with glory. The, the first thing the army says, now the, 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 the single angel has made his announcement, when, but when the army choir shows up, the first thing that they say is glory to God. Glory in the highest heaven to God and peace on earth to people he favors. I've got it on the screen like that on the, uh, the next slide just to show you how this... Uh, uh, Oh, the next slide. I'm sorry. The, the, the first sermon slide is where I am. Oh, don't tell me I didn't. We interrupt this sermon to do what I didn't do last night. Y'all going to see how the sausage is made here. I put the wrong one in there. I'm so dumb. Okay. Question is, can I get to the sermon from? Yes, young. This is weird for church, I know, but talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> oh no! Don't need Jeopardy music going. So, if you're curious, what I did was, I made my sermon slides, made the pictures of them, but then didn't load them into uh, 
pro proclaim our, our software. And I believe this is the first time in like 11 years I have done this. So my track record's pretty good. Thank goodness for internet. This explains why Carol wasn't moving on to my sermon slide like I was expecting. Oh, something went wrong. Of course it did. Yeah, I'm having to download it from... I either leave the room and get, do it or try to do it right here. And I'm beginning to think leaving the room would be a better option. Mm -hmm. Because their server's messing up. Oh, wow. So when preachers get together and talk about the horrible things that happened to them in church. I have my story now. Well, all the slides. It's, it's last week's sermon is in there. Some, somehow I put in the wrong week. There we go. Okay. Except I didn't even download all of them. Formatted. 
they're just PNGs. Mm-hmm. Okay. Got it. All right, we're making progress, I promise. Hey, this doesn't count as my sermon time, right? Y'all are a tough crowd. Did I not do anything right? Yeah, I did that right. Okay. Oh, John Watson, I'm going to hurt you. That's Joe with the... Okay. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, I fixed it. That, that's right. That's where we're supposed to be. How much time did I lose? Have mercy. Okay. I hope you got some coffee. Um, Fifteen minutes left. Hold on to your earbuds. Okay, so this wasn't just... We're back on track now. This wasn't just an announcement. There was worship here. The, the angel said, glory in the highest heaven. And, and here on this next slide is when I show you, is there not a next slide? Please be a next slide. Oh, yeah, here. No. It's just, uh, it's not showing it right, like you're used to. There we go. All right, so glory in the highest heaven to God. And peace on earth to people he favors. Look at that verse this way. It's not exactly the way it's written in the Greek, but this is the imagery, the, the poetry. They were saying this in probably Hebrew to, for the, the shepherds to understand it. And so it's coming to us in English from Greek. So we've got some translation stuff going on. But glory, the what, in the highest heaven, that's where, to God. There's the who. And peace, the what, on earth, that's the where, to people, that's the who. And in this case, he adds people he favors. So you can see the parallelism there in the verse. And then what we see is that, and what we understand about heaven, is that glory is constant going on, constantly going on in heaven. God is being praised uh, every day, every moment of the day. There are no days there. It's just a constant thing that we see in Revelation that the angels surround the throne singing, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty. The glory is happening right now in heaven. Glory in the highest heaven to God or glory to God in the highest heaven. So it begins with worship 
And, and the angels begin with a statement of fact, a statement of ongoing uh, reality. And therefore it follows if they say glory to God in the highest, a statement of fact, then the statement of fact after that, or the statement after that is also a statement of fact. Peace on earth to men, or to people he favors. Statement of fact, statement of fact. We know the first one is happening, therefore we can be confident, we can take the guarantee that the other will happen. God brought the glory. Everywhere God goes, there's glory. It says just above it, the glory in verse 9, the glory of the Lord shone around them. When they showed up, God's glory was there. And then they talked about the glory that was happening. God brought the glory. Therefore, God will bring the peace. Peace is just as certain as glory. And that's hard to understand because God is being glorified in perfection in his perfect heaven. And yet he promises peace in our imperfect world. Well, the angels knew what was up. The angels knew what was going on. They knew the plan. They knew that, and I think they were, angels aren't omniscient. Angels, I don't know, I don't, under, don't think, they, they, they get all the steps that are coming up. They, they don't know the future unless God tells them what his plans are. But, they knew that this baby being born was a big deal. Did they know that was the plan, this this. this triune God to uh, show up the Son as a human and the Father and to have this, this not separation because they can't separate but this, this strange, you almost imagine that there was kind of a, a buzz going, the Son's going to earth? I mean, that's, that's, is that what you heard? That's what I heard too. I don't know if they were standing around the water cooler, but then they're clocking in, uh, or, or what. But, but you heard that, too. yeah, it's tonight. We're going to tell them. Who's going to tell them? The army. Well, that's going to scare them. Well, yeah, I know, but we, that's who's going. We're going to, but it's the, and and when, when, when we're going to sing, when we get there, the army's going to sing. Yes, and, you know, and at least that's what goes on in my head. And then they show up. And they make this, this army choir makes this very simple declarative statement that is an overwhelming, infinite, and eternal promise. Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people He favors. Many of our songs, when we, when we sing them, and some of them aren't really my favorite, they're, they're story songs. They're, they're announcement songs. It was very popular in, in the revivalism of the late 1800s and early 1900s to write revival songs that would talk about what was going on at revivals. And, and, and as I said, they're, they're, they're not really my favorite, and I, I tend to prefer songs that talk to God rather than about God. And yet, they are equally as worshipful in their announcement of what God is doing. Just like the angels hear, glory to God in the highest, and peace on earth. Worship 
an announcement. What we see from this passage, first of all, is that heaven is pleased. The word glory really means good reputation. It's, it's the, your, your rep, reputation precedes you, but it's not fake reputation. It is reputation based on past experience. Glory to God. He is, he is in, he, he's, he's wonderful and, and, and incredible and omniscient and omnipotent and, and, and omnipresent. And he's, he's, he's everything that, that he says he is because we have experienced this. Glory to God. This good reputation that God has. And, and, and the, the angels recognized with God's reputation how huge it was that the second person of the Trinity was now going to take the form for a time of man on earth. So we have this God in the flesh thing happening that that did not divide the Trinity in every way, and yet the Son becomes human. He puts on flesh, but more than just putting on flesh, He wasn't putting on a, a skin suit like He was God hiding in in, in this, this human body, it wasn't that sort of thing. That veers off into, into heresy and, 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 and things you, you don't want to do. He, he was fully man. He, he wasn't just wearing, you know, I, I can put on a Captain America costume, but that ain't going to make me buff. It's not going to make me strong and handsome. I'm just going to be Michael in a costume. This wasn't the son in a costume. He was fully man and yet fully God. He, and, and, and heaven, the angels, are, are, are glorifying because of that reason for that. They're, they are maybe just as amazed as we are. Glory to God. And then we see that not only is this the second person of the Trinity in the flesh, this is Jesus sent to save. They know the plan. Again, I don't know if the angels knew what was going to happen 33 years later or not. But they knew why he was there. They knew the scriptures. They knew the plot line. They, they knew what the prophecies were. They know he's going down there to save them. This, this human, this, this, this second person of the Trinity that we've been worshiping for eternity or as, long back as, as far back as we've been created as angels... He is going to take on flesh and He is going to be their Savior. The angels also knew that this was not just what had been talked about in heaven, that Christ had been planned from the beginning of time, that they knew this process, they knew from the fall of man that this was going to be a salvation moment, but they knew that this was what... Old Testament Scripture pointed to. This is the Messiah. This is the one that when God parted the Red Sea and brought His special people out of Egypt, when we go back further and He sets off Abraham and says, your family, your lineage, your, excuse me, your generations, your seed will bless all nations. They know this is the culmination of that. Heaven is pleased, to say the least with what has happened on this night. This baby that is now born just a little way off in a little bitty town. And so they, they know. The angels show up to tell the, the shepherds and the shepherds go and tell other people we read later because the earth 
should recognize what is going on. The earth should recognize this incredible event just as heaven has recognized the incredible event. But sadly, not all will. If all did, we couldn't hold the people that would be coming to church. If everyone recognized what God had done, people who say they are members of our church but have not attended in however many years would be here. Because they recognize that this is where they need to be. Their church family with the body of believers. Heaven is pleased. The next thing we see from this passage, the second phrase, is that peace is real. This is the, the second parallel to the, or the parallel to the first part. Glory to God, uh, glory in heaven to God, peace on earth to people. Peace is real. The definition of peace here for, in Scripture is, is a social order of well-being, prosperity, security, and harmony. We think of peace as good feelings sometimes, or we think of peace as the absence of war if we're thinking in geopolitical terms, but it is so much more than that. It is internal, and it, it will end in the absence of war, but in the meantime, it, it occurs right where we are, right when we are. But most specifically, in those moments when the battles are still being fought on a foreign land or even on our own, or when the wars are raging inside of us, when we don't have the internal peace, when there's a war in our home or a war at our job or at school or in our uh, workplace. I said that with job. When we have those moments of war, we still have peace. Because we have a, an eternal, an internal order of well-being, prosperity, security, and harmony. Because the peace that Jesus brings, the peace that the angel was singing about, because Rome didn't just suddenly disappear when they told the shepherds this. The peace they're talking about is that new situation of peace between God and man. I can have a lot of enemies in life, but the one enemy I don't want to die with, having, having still be uh, 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 an enemy of, that's a complicated sentence, is God. We are at enemy and at we are enemies with God. We are at war with God prior to our relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Prior to that, we are at war. God is our enemy. We deserve his wrath and we will be punished accordingly. This peace that they talk about, regardless of Rome, regardless of home, regardless of work, regardless of anything that's going on in your life. This peace is the peace that really matters. That new situation of peace between God and man. And that only comes with the Messiah. The one that the angels told him about in verse 11. Today in the city of David is a Savior. The Messiah. The Lord. Covered all the bases. Everything you need, want, and expect is wrapped up 
in some cloths in a manger in this little town. Isaiah 9, 5-6 through 6 tells us what to expect from this Savior, this Messiah. He, he, he let us know, gave us quite a description. For every trampling boot of battle and the bloodied garments of war will be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child will be born for us. A son will be given to us and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. And later on, Isaiah continues giving us this beautiful picture of the peace that the Savior will bring. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the herald. In this case, the angels. Who proclaims peace. Who brings news of good things. Who proclaims salvation. Who says to Zion, your God reigns. Those heralds now are us. We are the heralds. We are the angels. God's army standing, announcing the peace that Jesus can bring. The peace that only Jesus can bring. And that peace is for, and here's the little difference in the the parallel lines of the passage. We have the what, to where, to whom of both lines. And then in the, the end of verse 14, he says, to people he favors, the caveat, the, the twist at the end, the little descriptor. Well, whom did God favor? God favored everyone. We go back up and we see in verse 10, the angel said, don't, look, uh, don't be afraid. Look, I proclaim to you evangelism of great joy that will be for all the people. The message of peace is for everybody. That's who God favored. The message is for everyone. Lowly shepherds at first. The first ones to hear about this, minus the wise men who have been working on getting there for a little while now, and will take another year or so to get there because they're going to see the star and all that. But the shepherds are the first ones to hear it. The, 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 the wise men look to Scripture. They knew it from the, the time that the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, were in Babylon, because that's probably where they came from. They knew the Scriptures better than Herod and his wise men did. They knew the Scriptures. They read it. They saw the star. They knew what was coming. But, but the angels showed up for the shepherds. God said, go take the announcement. To who? Who? Who are we going? Are we going to Herod? Are we going to Rome? Are we going to see Caesar? Not uh, At this point, it would be... Augustus, no, shepherds right outside of Bethlehem, really, shepherds, yep, go tell them, foreigners, the, the wise men saw and believed the signs, the message was for everyone, the low, the learned, the ones outside of what people would expect. The message of peace is for everyone. The Messiah himself is for everyone. He was very Jewish. He was brought up in that. He, he, we can trace his line all the way back to Abraham and then all the way back to Adam. But the promise to Abraham, as I said earlier, was that your seed will bless all nations. Everyone that comes after you will be blessed because of Jesus. 
And if the message of peace is for everyone and the Messiah is for everyone, then peace is for everyone. The crazy thing about God and the peace that He gives us is that even unbelievers can benefit from the peace of Christ if Christians will exemplify that peace among them and live that peace among them. We call that common grace. Everybody gets a little grace from God. That grace is supposed to draw them to God. But if we will be, and I'm going to use lowercase, princes of peace, if we will be purveyors of peace, if we will be the messengers of peace, then our communities will experience peace. Our homes, our workplaces. Will it always work? No, the devil's going to have his way with a lot of folks. But peace will be much more in reach, will be much more visible, much more attainable, and occur much more often if Christians are living in peace. Romans says, as much as it is up to you, live in peace with everyone. The message is for everyone. The question is, will you hear the message or will you ignore the message? Herod ignored the message. Hey guys, where's the, where's the Messiah supposed to be born? Uh, scripture says Bethlehem. Alright, go kill him. Well, that's ignoring the message. The, the, the learned of Jerusalem, the ones he asked, where's he supposed to be born? In Bethlehem. These guys, they're, they're, they saw a star, they're saying he's been born. Huh. And they go back to doing whatever they're doing. They, they had the message and they ignored it. People ignore the message every day. Some of you may have been listening to the message for your entire lives. Some watching are hearing it for the first time, and yet they will ignore it. We sing songs. Every store in town in the country plays Christmas songs like Oh Holy Night and Silent Night and all these songs that declare the gospel openly. Disney World, Disneyland, they have nights where they read Luke 2 and and have Christian artists come and sing music. We know the message is out there and yet people ignore it. They hear the message, they ignore it, and they dismiss the provider of peace. Will you dismiss the provider of peace? See, God favors those who respond. You you want peace? You want the peace that only Jesus can give? You have to come to Jesus. You want to experience that that soul-balming peace that passes all understanding, Scripture tells us, that is only found in Jesus Christ. And we have to respond. Peace on earth to people he favors. The gift is there. Romans 6.23 tells us the wages of sin is death. The absence of peace, if, if, if there's ever been a definition of it, the wages of sin is death. We are sinners, therefore we will die not in peace, but in turmoil, and we will spend an eternity as enemies of God. But the gift the gift of peace with God. The gift of eternal peace with God comes only in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that is for everyone. All 
who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Today, will you take that peace that's offered? There's only one provider. You can do all the internet searches you want. You can can look for peace of mind. You can hope for it in a politician or an army or the gun you carry in your waistband. But none of those things will ever provide anything more than temporary, momentary peace. And chances are you're going to give up peace elsewhere to have this moment of peace there. It's probably going to lead to more problems. Christ and the peace that He brings never leads to more problems. It always leads to more peace. And that peace can be yours today. Pray with me. Father, thank You that You give us peace. That You give us comfort in our most difficult times. But God, while You provide peace to everyone as part of Your common grace, as as we as believers live out the peace that You have given us, Lord, we're never going to know true peace. The world will never know true peace until individuals make the choice to trust Jesus Christ as their Savior. Respond to the drawing of Your Holy Spirit and the free gift that is offered. Then, they will know peace. Then, their peace will bring peace to where they are. And even when outwardly, there is no peace. We will know inwardly the storm, the seas are calm. You are in control. And your peace, just like the glory you receive now and will receive from us one day as believers, just like that glory is occurring right now, the peace we have with you is occurring right now no matter the storm. God, we thank You for that. May someone today hear the message of peace, the Gospel that the angel has announced. We have come to bring You the Gospel. The baby in the manger, the man on the cross, the empty tomb, the sins forgiven, the price paid, and the hope and peace for eternity that only Jesus can give. Work in our hearts today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So as you come to this time of, definition, of, uh, of uh, response, we have a need on our heart. Maybe you need peace in your life. There's an area that you as a believer, you just need to give to the Lord because the storm's raging and you just can't get away from it. Your time to pray for that with Tom or Kirk or Lee, one, a couple of our deacons in the back, they would love to pray with you about that. Maybe you need that eternal peace. You've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior and you want to talk to somebody about that. They would love to explain to you how you too can trust Jesus as Savior. If you're online watching and you would like more information, please message us there at the church's Facebook page or on YouTube or you can email us. You can contact us. We would love to help you know how you can have true peace. So we sing this morning about the Savior who is beyond compare, worthy, more worthy of anything that we can give, and we come to worship Him. Let's stand and sing, and let's pray for peace in our hearts first, and around us secondly, as He does work on our hearts today.